Welcome in to the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. I'm Aaron Heisen with my co-host Will Cozine, and we're pumped for today's pod. So let's get right into the news. In our first piece of news, Cleveland Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski said that Odell Beckham is 100% after his shoulder surgery. Um, he, he said that he played through the injury a lot last year, while Beckham did play 16 games and ended with over 1,000 yards. He was playing with an injury. Um, does this change the outlook for Beckham this year? Hopefully it changes it for him. I think last year was, you can call it a down year, despite the fact that he had over 1,000 yards. If he is fully healthy and Baker takes another step forward, which we're hoping he does because last year was a little bit rough for him, if Odell is his top target and that offense makes the strides that everyone's hoping it will, he has immense upside. But it's it's tough, especially in a run-heavy offense, for him to put up those gaudy numbers he did in New York. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very run-heavy offense with Stefanski coming in from Minnesota. He really liked to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. They have two great rushing options in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So I'm not huge on a Beckham this year. The one thing I will say is we don't have to draft him as – uh, top 12 option anymore he's going in the fourth round back back of the fourth round early fifth so there's more of an argument to spend a pick on someone with such such a high ceiling like Beckham yeah and hopefully he'll get more touchdowns than he did last year true okay the second piece of news um unfortunately Kenny Stills was arrested in a protest um in the name of Breonna Taylor uh and it's devastating to see that this happened this is not something we have to cover for a long time, but it did need to be brought up. Yeah, I believe he was released on bail, maybe? I'm not sure. He was released from jail today. He posted something on social media. He's in good spirits, but he is obviously frustrated about getting arrested, and he's frustrated that Breonna Taylor's killers are still free. So, unfortunate situation. Yeah. Our third piece of news, Terry McLaurin, the breakout stud rookie receiver for the Washington TBAs, I guess. Yeah. Endorsed uh, fellow receiver Steven Sims, fellow sophomore guy who we talked about last episode, as the next breakout guy. Uh, this was a few days before Kelvin Harmon, the third receiver, or another complimentary piece in the Redskins, tore his ACL. I think that the depth in the Redskins receiving room is very thin right now, and Steven Sims could have a lot of opportunity. Yeah, he's an exciting player. He showed last year a Calvin Ridley-like ability to get open in the red zone. So the touchdown upside could be big for him. And then I'm kind of hoping they go after another receiver like Kenny Stills or Kiki QT, both from the Texans, because I think that as having Antonio Gandy-Golden, a fourth-round rookie as your third option, is a bit underwhelming. Okay, well, don't hate on my guy Trey Quinn, but it, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's get on to the last piece of news. Um, today was the deadline for extensions with uh, franchise tenders. So we had some huge deals get done and some huge deals not get done. Uh, King Henry, uh, four years, $50 million with the Titans, and $25.2 million is guaranteed. Uh, this was a deal that was waiting to happen for Derrick Henry and the Titans. I think it's a great deal for both sides because... They're not breaking the bank. He's being paid less than Le'Veon Bell, who probably should have done this deal with the Steelers a few years back, but that's in the past. Um, Derrick Henry is now in the top five of paid running backs in the league, and he deserves it. Yeah, I was worried he wouldn't get his money, especially after they paid Ryan Tannehill and franchised Henry. I thought he'd have to play this year on the franchise tag. Thankfully, he doesn't. Well-deserved. And it just shows that running backs don't have that much leverage now that uh, the best, arguably the best running back in the NFL. It's, it's debatable, but he gets a top five contract, not setting a new market. I think there needs to be a lot of reform in the NFL about running back contracts so they can get paid earlier. Yeah, that's a discussion for another day for sure. I would like to have seen Henry get a little bit more as well, but it is what it is. Uh, the second thing is Miles Garrett got five years, one twenty-five, and they just announced it's one hundred million guaranteed. This isn't huge for fantasy because he's on the defensive side. I will say that uh, I actually saw a really funny meme. I'm going to bring it up real quick uh, about uh, Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Oh, was um, it that his with his new contract he can uh, afford to hit Mason Rudolph 2,000-something times? So it says Miles Garrett was fined 
$1,623 for hitting Mason Rudolph in the head with his helmet. Garrett just signed a $125 million deal, which means he can hit Mason Rudolph 2,739 yeah. more, more times before he runs out of money. That, that is great. I love that. That was the funniest thing I saw all day, for sure. Yeah. So, well, we shouldn't joke about something like that. Garrett <laughs> is in the for that. Okay, anyways, the last thing that I want to touch on is that Dak did not reach a deal. Yeah. It's it was kind of expected. I there's just there's such an impasse between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. He's gonna play this year on the franchise tag. Maybe it's a prove it year. Mike McCarthy gets to decide if he wants to keep him as his long term quarterback. But the longer they wait to pay Dak, the more expensive he's gonna get in the long term. Yeah, I saw Adam Schefter retweet uh, Dak's brother today saying that he grew up not being a Cowboys fan for a reason, and after today, who knows how much longer he'll be a Cowboys fan and cheering for them. <laughs> so, a little cryptic there, but it, it's a sketchy situation. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Okay, moving on to our mini game Today, we're going to introduce a new mini game called Guess the Player. So, I'm going to introduce some stats for Will. I'm going to drop some stats, and without knowing who the player is, he's just going to have to guess based off the clues I give him. Yeah. So, uh, the first player... Um, was the wide receiver two after week four? Wide receiver two overall. Okay. Uh, he had 72 receptions and had nine touchdowns. So 72 receptions after week four or total? He had 72 receptions on the season. Okay. Nine touchdowns. Who had nine touchdowns? Um, wow. Is that Devontae Parker? It is Devontae Parker. Wow. I didn't yeah, realize he had Devontae, that many touchdowns. That's impressive. He, Devontae Parker was the wide receiver two after week four, which is very surprising to me. I think a lot of this, uh, a lot of what helped Parker was Fitzpatrick and Preston Williams missing some time. Yeah, he was a staple in both of our fantasy or daily fantasy lineups last year. That was fun. For sure, for sure. That is true. Okay, the next guy um, plays quarterback. And he has played on, I can't count it right now because there's probably, there's so many teams, but there's so many different teams that he's played for. Um, that's probably a big hint. And he was also the quarterback too after week seven. So the first name that popped in my head was Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think he wasn't that good. Uh, who other quarterback? Huh. Quarterback two. Play on a bunch of teams. I have no idea. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. It is. It is. Uh, wow. He was quarterback two after week seven. That's incredible. I had no idea he was that good. Whenever you don't think it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's always it's, Ryan it's always Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's always Ryan Fitzpatrick. And whenever you think he's gonna be amazing, he always disappoints. And it's vice versa too. So hopefully it's a good year for Fitzpatrick. And the Dolphins offense, but you never know. That is incredible. Okay, the last guy is a rookie. Uh, he started in nine games, and he had eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns? Um, I know McCall Hardman had six, but it's not him. He uh, said it's a receiver, give, it's a receiver not a tight end? More. It's, a, it's a receiver. I'm going to give you one more hint. He had 48 receptions on the season. He had eight touchdowns, 48 receptions. Is that A.J. Brown? No. Dang. It's Darius Slayton. Wow. Eight touchdowns. Slayton had eight touchdowns on 48 receptions. One of my favorite players in this upcoming uh, draft. He's a value going in the late of the seventh round, and I really like Slayton this year. Damn. That's, he was a touchdown target monster in the red zone for Daniel Jones. It seemed like Yeah, every, it really helped they... when Daniel Jones the starting job yeah every time they got down the red zone he was always looking for slayton and he had some pretty acrobatic catches in the back of the end zone yeah wow. okay well that was fun that was a fun game let's move on to the bulk of the episode so we're gonna be breaking down the teams in the afc um today so we're gonna start with the west uh the defending super bowl champion kansas city chiefs um some players that i want to touch on obviously mahomes is very talented player in real life I think you and I both wouldn't be pro-drafting Mahomes in fantasy, if that's one way to put it. Yeah, he is a, obviously a fantastic player. 
but he's going in the second or third round. And if you're drafting a quarterback that early, they need to be the best quarterback, and that's probably going to be Lamar Jackson. And so when a guy like Mahomes, he's obviously fantastic, and you look at his MVP season where he had 50 touchdowns, and if he does that again, great. But because he doesn't have a ton of rushing yards, it's the upside is somewhat capped, even for a great player like him. Yeah, I wouldn't draft Mahomes that high. I just don't draft quarterbacks very high either. But let's move on to another part of the Chiefs. I think Kelsey has a, um argument for being drafted as high as the second round because if you have the fir- like if you have the first pick and you're able to get McCaffrey like you have a top three running back for sure if he gets the volume and then you have the best tight end and then you can take another very good player whether that's Eckler Galladay Godwin at that turn so I think yeah. there is an argument for Kelsey yeah I think that's just the perfect situation for him to be drafted and he's just been a model consistency for the past five years or so. He just gets a thousand plus yards every single year. He gets touchdowns. Mahomes loves him, and so there's. It's just one of the safest picks you can make in the early rounds. Yeah. So we touched on McCall Hardman in last week's episode. Will really likes the upside there. Tyreek Hill is a very talented guy, and I wouldn't like. I wouldn't choose him over any of these high-end running backs, but he definitely has value. The last thing I want to touch on with the Chiefs is the running back by committee. We talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the rookie show, and I just don't feel comfortable taking him as my running back one because that's the value that he's been taking with right now. I think Damian Williams sells a huge part in this offense. He had a great game in the Super Bowl, and Andy Reid praises him um, a lot. So the running back by committee is very messy right now. Yeah, when there's a murky situation in any sort of backfield, I Generally, my philosophy is to target the guys going later. So that would be a guy like Damian Williams. Last year, we saw at the Niners, everyone was drafting Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and I think it was Jarek McKinnon before he got hurt, and it ended up being Mostert. So there's just a lot of uncertainty at running back, even when you think you have the answers. So it's when there's some sort of like controversy, it's better to stay away from it. Yeah, okay, let's move on to the Raiders. Um, the Raiders have a lot of incoming rookie talent. They drafted, I think it was three receivers, if you want to count Lynn Bowden as a receiver. Brian Edwards and who is the last guy? Henry Ruggs. They, Henry Ruggs, yeah. right. Oh my God, I forgot about Henry Ruggs. Okay, but they have a lot of rookie talent coming in. I don't think any of those guys have a huge impact fantasy-wise, but I actually think they take away from other guys. Like I think Tyrell Williams, without those guys, could be seen as a possible wide receiver too, but I think he loses a lot of volume with all the pieces there. Same yeah. with Renfro. Uh, the only guy who I think is like in the receiving game isn't affected is Darren Waller because I think he's just a very talented guy who occupies that middle of the field role for the Raiders and Gruden loves using him. Yeah, it's we talk a lot about running backs by committee, but this is almost a wide receiver by committee. You don't have like a very clear depth chart, and so it's really not ideal to target any of them. I agree, Waller's unaffected. He's a great player, and I'm not sure their backup tight end is, but I know Gruden likes to run two tight end sets, so you could see some of that and even fewer wide receivers so i'm not talking any rate receiver but i'm loving darren waller for sure yeah and i went back and like looked at some of the game logs because i i had waller on my fantasy team and i remember like they had all these touchdowns going guys like Derek harrier and foster moreau and yeah. it always pissed me off and i don't know if i'm certain that like those i mean i think they do somewhat change to waller like i could see him getting six touchdowns three is very fluky for him yeah, to only yeah. get three touchdowns but it, yeah, the point is that Gruden loves to use tight ends. The last guy I want to touch on is Josh Jacobs. I love Josh Jacobs. We've talked about him before. The talent is there. I think he gets the receiving game that he didn't get last year, so the sky's the limit for Jacobs. Yeah, I think the jury is still somewhat out on him as a receiver in terms of like running routes, but as a screen target out of the backfield and as a check down, he's been somewhat effective, at least as a rookie. So the upside is certainly there for Jacobs. Yeah, okay, moving on to the Chargers. Uh, the way that I've been setting this team out, I gave 10 games to Taylor. I, As a fan, I would hope Taylor plays 16 uh, because that would probably mean that we're doing well. Yeah. Um, and I think Herbert needs some time to learn. Uh, I also think, though, that if even if the, like, the Chargers are a good team, I don't think that's on the back of having a very efficient like offense, you know? Yeah, and even if the offense is efficient, which is possible, 
I think the vol it's not going to be a high volume offense, high octane. And so for fantasy, I'm really just staying away from this offense. The defense has talent everywhere. And if the Chargers are going to be successful, it's likely going to be on the backs of the defense. But the offense, I just with a, even with Taylor who's a, a decent quarterback and maybe Herbert, I just don't see the upside for any of the, the skill players. Yeah, I don't. I think I would probably avoid every skill player just because, like, the target share for and the volume. Except Eckler will probably get a few more carries, but his receiving value will drop a lot. I just would avoid all of them. I mean, Mike Williams is going in the thirteenth round, so you're basically not wasting a draft pick on him, and he could score a touchdown any week. So I might plug and play him. But other than that, there's not really a skill player I would want to touch. Right, and it's unfortunate because Keenan Allen is so talented, but. It's just not an ideal situation for him. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the final team in the West, the Broncos. The Broncos are coming in with a lot of uh, new talent. Melvin Gordon at the running back position. And it it looks like a two, even three running back approach. I mean, Royce Freeman is still there. He's shown spurts of talent. Uh, This is a complete running back by committee. Well, I do think Gordon is the lead back. I I don't think I could trust any of these guys. Yeah, it's... It's weird because the, the running backs don't really have defined roles. When you look at Cleveland, we'll get to Cleveland, you have Chubb who's kind of the rusher and Hunt's kind of more of a pass catcher. Well, Hunt's also a good rusher. But Gordon and Lindsey don't have very different skill sets. They're both, like, between the tackles, good edge zone rushers, decent pass catchers. So it's it's awkward to project who's going to get what kind of workload for this backfield. Yeah, it is awkward to project, and that's why I wouldn't touch it because you can't really project who's going to get the workload. Okay, so with the wide receivers in Denver, I mean, we saw that Drew Locke didn't really sustain Sutton as a valuable fantasy option towards the end of the season, but I don't think that continues into 2020 because, like, Locke is a very good— I think Locke's a good quarterback, or he showed spurts of being good, and he has a lot of potential— and I just think that he might have been adapting to the game and Sutton was getting double teamed. I don't think that that is the future. Yeah. The the target share in Denver is somewhat concerning because it's going to be spread out amongst quite a few players. So as a fantasy player, you want to target teams with kind of consolidated target shares where a few players are getting a lot of targets. So injuries are going to happen probably at some point for all these teams. But when you're looking at it, at least from the beginning of the season, you have Sutton, you have Judy, you have Hamler, you have Fant. You have all these targets on a run-heavy offense, and it's kind of a recipe to, like, where the offense could be great, but you're not targeting any one player. Yeah. Okay, I don't have anything else to say about the Broncos. Uh, Let's move on to the Ravens. So... Lamar was the quarterback one last year. I think he will repeat as the quarterback one just because that rushing floor is so valuable. And I, well, I don't think there is an argument to take Mahomes. I think there could be an argument to take Lamar because when you're drafting a quarterback that high, it is so like, it's so important. They repeat as the quarterback one or they finish as the quarterback one because even if they finish as a quarterback three or four, well, that's still good. You wasted a pick on them because you drafted them to be the quarterback one. So in past years, I would never uh, like say that you should take the quarterback one, like Lamar Jackson that high, but it's just different. Lamar Jackson's a different guy. Yeah, with fantasy quarterbacks go, heading into a season, it's rare that you have like a, a sure bet, where a lot of times you have Aaron Rodgers in pre- previous years would go in the third round, but he would... Be, he would be good, but he wouldn't have like a, a ton of passing yards and a ton of touchdowns because maybe the running he back would be touchdowns. One. Right. But when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson who is just so unique in his ability to run the ball, he's probably going to finish as the QB1 again. And if, assuming that's the case, I, it's fair to take him pretty early in the draft. Okay, so let's move on to the next team because, I, I mean, we've talked about Ingram many times before. We just look at him differently. Um, and Hollywood, we talked about Hollywood in, um, unless you want to touch on Andrews real quick. Yeah. So everyone seems to be bumping up Andrews a lot because Hayden Hurst got traded to the Falcons, but I don't think it changes his outlook too much. We saw last year, Nick Boyle actually was the primary run blocker in the Ravens tight end group. And Andrews was the primary pass catcher. And so I don't think those roles changed. Hurst was kind of the odd man out and he, that's why he got traded. But I don't think it's a very big boon to anyone else. 
And then you have to also factor in that the Ravens are probably going to score fewer touchdowns this year overall, and the receivers are going to get more of those touchdowns. So Andrews, he's a great player, but I think everyone is projecting as if all of Hurst's volume is going straight to Andrews, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah, he's also being drafted as high as the third round in some leagues. I just wouldn't uh, swoop him up there. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked about Hollywood Brown in last week's episode. I like him as a value, but let's move on to the Steelers. Um, I feel like people are sleeping on this offense. Like, with Ben as their quarterback, they he led the league in passing yards last time he played a full season. That was two years ago. I just feel like they're getting a lot of hate because of last year. Yeah, last year was, to put it nicely, gross with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. But, like you said, we saw in 2018... When Roethlisberger played a full season, he sustained two wide receiver ones with Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown. The offense was humming. James Conner was great that year. Like Everything was great for the Steelers. I'm not sure if that repeats. That's asking a lot. But everyone is. everyone sees this great defense, and they're overlooking the offense, which has a lot of potential, especially with, albeit aging, a good offensive line. Yeah, I, I just think we don't need... Like, for these guys, Juju and Deontay Johnson, to be valuable, we don't need them to both be ones. I mean, they, I don't think they will be. But I definitely think they both could be top 24 guys. Like, I think they could be wide receiver twos easily. I love the ceiling for both these guys. Yeah, especially Juju, because I think moving back to the slot, his primary role, where he thrived in 2018, it's just a recipe for success for him. Okay, so usually we see Tomlin go with the workhorse running back in the past with Le'Veon Bell and James Conner and other guys like that. But do you think he switches the theme this year and uses guys like Benny Snell or Jalen Samuels more in the running game? I don't know. I think Jalen Samuels, he got a chance last year to get a receiving workload, and really he just was not good last year. I think he could be the odd man out in this backfield. I like, I just don't know what to expect. If Connor stays healthy, I think he's going to get the majority of the ground game, which should be valuable. It's just, it, I have no idea what's going to happen in this backfield. And as as high as Connor's going, the uncertainty is kind of pushing me away from it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to the Browns. I know you have high hopes for the Browns this season. They look very talented on paper. Uh, do you think this is finally the year they break into the playoffs? Well, it's funny because last year I was low on the Browns because I saw the offensive line. They traded away Zeitler to the Giants. And I was like, this team, they have like a lot of weapons, but... The line is bad, and I think May- Mayfield's going to have struggles because of that. But in this offseason, they traded for, or they signed Jack Conklin, a uh, tackle from the Titans. They drafted Jedrick Wills, my favorite tackle from the draft in the first round. And they still have J.C. Treader at center, and they have, uh, I'm blanking on the guard's name. But the offensive line should be actually above average, maybe even better than that this season. And they still have the great skill players. I love Chubb and Hunt. I think this team, if Baker can play average, this team has potential to be a top offense. Yeah, I think everything runs on Baker. Because I think like the running game will be fine, even if Baker's bad. But if Baker's good, that makes the running game all the more better. Because it just opens up the whole entire playbook. And Stefanski knows how to use talented running backs like Chubb and Hunt. So I, I just think that like if it all rides on the back of Baker, if Baker can show what he showed back in his rookie season a bit more, then it could be good for the Browns. Yeah, and one more thing is there's a lot of hype around Austin Hooper coming into this offense, and I think he's a good player. I think his he's not as good as his stats suggest uh, from Atlanta, but I think the offense, the, the passing target share is pretty consolidated between Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. and maybe Hooper inserts himself into that that mix but I I don't see a massive target share for Hooper like a lot of people seem to project yeah I think it's tough to select any of the pass catchers here in a fantasy draft just because there are so many you have Odell Jarvis Hooper I mean Njoku's Njoku's asking for a trade but he's still there like he could be there when the season starts I just think that it is, and Chubb and Hunt will be involved in the passing game as well. It's just a lot of right. pieces. It's a lot of mouths to fill. Yeah, we saw, I think, the previous couple of years with Minnesota where they became a run-heavy team, and we saw that Diggs and Thielen were both great options, just like I think Odell and Jarvis Landry can both be good options. But Kyle Rudolph got phased out in that scenario, and I think a similar thing can happen to Austin Hooper. Yeah. 
Okay, let's move on to the Bengals, uh, the last team in this division. So the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow first overall, and I think he's the day one starter. Would you agree? Yeah, I think he has to be. You can't go with Ryan Finley. He was awful last year when he played. Yeah, and is Burrow, do you think Burrow's an upgrade from Dalton last season? From Dalton last season, yes. Dalton last season was a bottom two quarterback in almost every single metric. Uh, I don't think all of it was his fault. The Their first round left tackle, yeah. I believe, uh, from two years ago is now back. He missed all of last season with the torn ACL. So that should help. The offensive line, if it's better, is going to be great for Burrow. And one thing I'm excited about Burrow is that Rarely do you have a receiver or a quarterback come into the league with this set of weapons. He's got Joe Mixon, he's got A.J. Green, he's got uh, first or top of the second round receiver T. Higgins, he's got John Ross, he's got Tyler Boyd. So the 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 weapons are there for Burrow. I'm not sure we have the temper expectations for now at least, but there's there's some upside. Yeah, I think Mixon is a good player. I would personally take guys like Chubber Jacobs or even Kenyon Drake over him in the first round, just because I am in love with running backs on good teams. I just think yeah. that makes it all the more better. They have more touchdown upside, and it's just easier to watch. Like Mixon could be running into the back of his linemen if they're not a good offensive line, and that won't be fun to watch. He might have a good end-of-season finish, but some of his games will be ugly. And then right. I, I think, I mean, you just can't bank on A.J. Green to play a full 16-game season anymore. Yeah, and it, but if he does, the value is there. Yeah, and also you have to imagine the defense. I'll, I'll try to be nice, but it looks bad heading into the season. Yeah. So the Bengals should be a pretty pass-heavy team, which is nice for Burrow, but it's kind of unfortunate for Mixon. Yeah, yeah, it does look terrible. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna sugarcoat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, I, last thing I want to say about the Bengals, I'm don't really know what to think about Tyler Boyd, like. Because he always seems to get it done, but yeah, I feel like I'm just out on him. Yeah, I think he's being drafted pretty fairly at the moment. He's not a player that gets me excited. Like, when I draft Tyler Boyd, I'm like, I'm not going to say this guy's going to win me in my league. But if you go running back heavy early on, he's a guy where you can slot him in your lineup for a week and he'll get you seven catches for 70 yards and you're gonna feel okay about it yeah that's fair and i i feel like he just gets it done and it's not like you have to waste like a fourth round pick on him right it it might be ugly but it could be worth it yeah he's a he's a solid player not not a ton of upside yeah okay let's move on to the afc south uh the houston texans were the division winners they almost made it far in the playoffs before giving up a huge lead to the chiefs um, yeah. And then they decided to trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but I feel like, I mean, we were talking about this earlier uh, before the show. Hopkins, the Hopkins trade shouldn't hurt the Texans' like wide receivers. You know, I feel like the Texans' wide receivers are being hated on because DeAndre Hopkins is gone. I mean, the fact of the matter is Deshaun Watson has sustained a very good receiver for the past uh, four years. I Three or four years, however long they've been together. And so that means that one of these options, like Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, both talented guys, one of them is going to do well. Yeah, it's it's gross. They're both being drafted outside the top thirty right now. You like Fuller always gets hurt. It's it's frustrating. He always gets hurt. But when he's healthy, he is one of the best options in all of fantasy football. Last year, he had the best week of anyone. He was like 51 points. It was 53.7 so, to be exact, and he won me my week, so thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> when when you're drafting a guy like that and you, you get him at the wide receiver 35, like you don't need him to play 16 games. He can play 10 games and be a great player for that, and he's going to pay off his ADP easily. So the, the injury concerns for Fuller are overblown, especially considering where he's drafted. And we see Cooks is changing teams every other year, and he manages to get 1,000 yards no matter where he goes. And I don't think that suddenly changes now that he has another good quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, I don't expect uh, Cooks, Fuller, Kuti, uh, any of these guys, like even Cobby's old now, They, I don't expect any of them to play a full 16-game season. But when you're drafting a guy as late as Cooks and Fuller are going, you don't need to play them every single week. So you don't even need to bank on a 16-game season. But when they're in the lineup, they're going to be good. 
Right. And going back to Kenny Stills, I don't know if you brought him up, but he seems to be the odd man out in this receiving core, so I'm hoping he gets traded for his sake because he's still a good receiver. They just have so many guys, and they can only play so many of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they all do the same thing. Yeah. And I also think that, like, okay, Stills, in my opinion, is much more talented than Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb has had a great career, and he's kind of on the down part of that career. But I think that, as you said, Stills is the odd man out. While I did trade for him last year, and they did spend some capital, I think that trade was more to bring in Laramie Tunsil. And they just paid Randall Cobb, a 30-year-old vet, three years, $27 million. So they obviously want him to be there. And I think that, yeah, Stills is the odd man out. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous that the, the, the reasoning for trading Hopkins was apparently that he was asking for an extension now. He wanted to be the highest paid receiver in football. And so you you get rid of him for that, and then you spend $9 million a year on Randall Cobb. Like, I don't understand the rationale behind that at all. Yeah, I would have paid Hopkins. And also, okay, can we just talk about David Johnson real quick too? Because yeah. while David Johnson was, his yards per carry metric was like I almost threw up when I saw it. Like he he used to be very talented. He's a shadow of he once of what he once was, but he's going to be brought in and given over 250 carries. And I think that could be really valuable in a potent offense with the upgraded offensive line and a guy who can still somewhat catch the ball. Yeah, I think he's being pretty grossly disrespected right now. We like he was injured last year for a while, but he, like he had he missed an entire season due to a wrist injury. It's a fluke. It's not like a, a chronic issue. So he's not this injury prone player that everyone seems to suggest he is. And we saw what Carlos Hyde, the broken down train that is Carlos Hyde, did for the Texans last year. Johnson's a better runner than Carlos Hyde is, and also Johnson is still a very good route runner as a receiver. We saw him run routes, especially in the first few weeks for the Cardinals last year. He caught some receiving touchdowns, I think. Like, he's still a very good player, and the volume is most certainly there for him. So if he can stay healthy, which I think he has a chance to do, he should pay off his ADP. Yeah, I agree. I I, I like Johnson, and I hope his value doesn't rise because I will definitely take him where he's going right now. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the Titans. The Titans uh, lost the AFC Championship game last year. They had a very good run towards the end of the season when uh, Tannehill became the starter. I think we both see regression for this Titans offense, um, in, especially in the rushing game, just because, well, Derrick Henry is very good, and um, they just paid him a lot of money. Defenses will start to close in on that, and I don't think Tannehill will have as good a year um, throwing the ball, so the running lanes won't be as open for Henry. Yeah, we saw we see they traded Conklin in the early lost Conklin in the off season, which should hurt the running game a bit. Like they were just so efficient last year, you have to imagine the running game isn't going to be quite as good, even if it's still great. And we saw that having that great running game opened up so many opportunities for Tannehill in the passing game, in the play action. He had the highest. Uh, like her second highest like yards per attempt or like air yards per attempt while also completing like 70% of his passes, which shows that he was just bootlegging and wheeling and dealing the entire season. I don't think he can do that again. And the defense lost several key pieces. They lost Jarrell KCD. They're losing Logan Ryan. So when I look at what they've done in the off season, I struggle to see where they got better. And we have to acknowledge they were nine and seven team last year. And it's it's you can't project what they did last year to happen again yeah um i just want to i'm so confused by aj brown right now because i feel like where he's going it's a little bit behind guys like robert woods and calvin ridley and cooper cup and i think his ceiling is like it it honestly could be a top five receiver if everything repeats like that it did last year just because he can take any pass to the house and he doesn't need a lot of volume but i also think he could get more volume if the running game is not as good as it was last year. Like, obviously, if he gets more volume, he won't be as efficient, but it's kind of confusing. I don't know what, how to think about Edgy Brown. Yeah, I'm a little concerned that when they don't have those play actions that he's going to struggle a little more to get open because he's not the greatest separator. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, it, the volume is anywhere like it was last year because last year he had an incredible like yards per reception he was just every time he got the ball in his hands great things happened 
So if he gets more or similar volume to last year, he should be a good receiver again. But I don't see the upside that other people seem to see with Brown, just because I don't think the he's going to get the elite volume like guys like Julio Jones get. Yeah, I don't think he'll get that volume. It, it, it's weird because, okay, we saw the yards per receiving mark uh, our yard perception mark last week when we were covering him is 20.2. That's like bound to come yeah. down a bunch of yards. Like that can't be repeated, but I think that like he will get more volume than he did last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awkward to project personally. I like drafting safely in the first four or five rounds as safely as I can, at least. And so Brown, albeit with quite a bit of upside has those concerns and so i'm a little bit off of him but i'm not gonna fault anyone for taking him yeah and can we touch on um the other pass catchers here because i feel like there was one guy but i also think that there are more passes like there just are more passes to go around i don't think Corey davis is a talented guy he could see some more targets he could have a few good weeks one guy that i am excited about is johnny smith like i think same now that delaney walker is out the door and johnny is a starter he's he's not a He's not a top-tier tight end, but he he knows how to get the job done, and there are targets to be had. Yeah, and he's a freakish athlete, too, and he showed last year his chops in the red zone. He just kind of boxed people out and got it, made some freaky leaps. and st- I don't know. He's just he's a great athlete, and I think he has a chance to get quite a few touchdowns if the offense is anywhere close to what was last year. Yeah, I would take a shot on him for sure. Okay, yeah, let's move on to the late. Colts. So... This is this is a very different offense outside of the offensive line that we saw from last season. You have a new quarterback coming in. You have a rookie running back coming in, a rookie wide receiver coming in. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is returning. It, it, there's a lot of moving pieces, but I have like I have a positive outlook on this Colts offense, mainly just because they have a very good offensive line, probably the best in the league. So I'm high on all the running backs. Like, okay, not all the running backs. I'm not very high on Mac, but I'm high on Taylor and Hines <laughs> because, um, like, the, the offense line is so good. So if you give it's, Jonathan yeah. Taylor, I know we haven't seen him play a game, and you can get mad at me for saying this, but I think even at Wisconsin last year, he was better than half the guys in the league right now <laughs> at running back. Yeah. So he's so talented. He gets that offensive line, and if he gets the market share that we think he's going to get, it could be a huge season. Yeah, it's weird because I love the Colts this year. They're one of my favorite teams. I project them for, I think, at least 11 wins. But I'm not targeting any of their pass catchers. I'm just so excited about this running game with especially Jonathan Taylor. I think Mack is someone you can draft if you're going receiver heavy in the early rounds. You need someone to tide you over until you find those gems later on in the season. So if you're going like a wide receiver or RB0 draft strategy, maybe you go for Mack. I just don't. He's not someone I want personally, especially because I'm targeting running backs in the early rounds. But yeah. Taylor is incredible. He's going to have a monster season. And you, you just pray that Frank Reich unleashes him to his full capability. The other thing that you touched on, the unleashing to the full capability, Mac is in his last season on the contract, and they don't have any, they don't owe him any extension. Yeah. Frank Reich could run Mac to his limits too and make this a complete running back by committee. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen, but it's a real possibility. I think that's kind of factored into Taylor's fourth or fifth round ADP. But the upside is just incredibly monstrous for Taylor, and he's someone that I want to get my hands on. Yeah, in if, all my if Mac were not in the picture, Jonathan Taylor would be drafted ahead of guys like Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, he'd be in that range for sure. So it, yeah. it, it's an interesting situation. I know I, I like... Taylor a lot and I'm fine taking a third round pick on him if you get two really good running backs ahead of him just because the upside is there he could be a league winner um that's my argument for Jonathan Taylor yeah great okay let's move on to the last team in the AFC South the Jaguars we talked about uh Gardner Minshew a little bit last week in the sophomore show I know Will was talking about how he's criminally criminally undervalued um I think Minshew can sustain a few good weapons here and I feel like as every day passes, we get closer to the season, I'm getting more and more fine with taking Fournette. Like, if he is their guy, then he's going to get a good workload. It, it may not be pretty. He may average 1.1 yards per carry. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's going to get 733 yeah. carries. So yeah, you might be happy with your <laughs> outcome. 
yeah, he it's I still feel a little bit gross about Fournette. He just doesn't really excite me. But he could be a valuable option. He showed some receiving ability last year and get seventy six catches. On a hundred targets. Yeah. I don't think so, that repeats. Like, no, me neither. And I don't love Minshew for fantasy. I don't know if they're gonna have like the offense isn't great and they're not gonna have a ton of volume. But he's a player that where you can start him in a pinch. He surprisingly has some rushing ability, which he showed last year. And I think he has the ability to sustain at least DJ Chark as a top receiver. I don't think I'm ever going after any other guys on the team, though. Yeah, I agree. I think DJ Chark is, like, a very safe fourth-round pick because he has touchdown touchdown upside every week, and he's going to have over 100 targets. And this is a team with a bad defense as well. Like, this this defense is a shadow of what they used to be, so Minshew might be forced to throw the ball in some games. Yeah. For sure. Okay, let's move on to the AFC East. We'll start with the division-winning New England Patriots. Like the Colts, this is a whole new offense. Like They have Cam now at the helm. Um, the offensive line is, I think it's improved, honestly. Um, even though it was pretty good yeah. last year, I think it's improved. And I I just think the value like in players has switched. You know, like with Brady, there was value with James White and Sonny Michelle wasn't great. But now I mm-hmm. think Sonny Michelle has some upside. Yeah. Well, I think Cam is one of the most misunderstood players in the NFL. I don't think people actually realize what he's good at. He is an incredibly intelligent player. He makes great reads, quick reads, short throws, uh, on a like on a rope. He's very good in the intermediate passing game. He's not a great deep ball thrower, which is what people seem to think that's what he is. And he does, has a very similar skill set to Tom Brady. And he can also run the ball. I mean, he's not, he's not as good of a thrower as Brady, for sure, but he can run the ball, and I think he's going to allow Josh McDaniels to do all sorts of new things in the offense, and with Cam Newton's rushing ability, it should open up more, or it should free up Sony Michelle in the running game as well. Yeah, but like the reason why I don't trust a guy like James White is where Brady had no ability to scramble out of the pocket for like five, six yards, and then he would just check it down to White. Newton's going to use his running and like improvising abilities to either find something downfield or run for a few yards rather than checking it down to James White. So that's why I'm kind of out on James White. I'll push back a little bit just because White also showed he can be almost like a slot receiver in the offense. But I think for the check down argument is fair. He's going to get fewer of those, but I think he's still going to be running routes and he still has some upside. But I agree, I'm not in love with him yeah okay is there a receiver here that you would buy into at all like i know edelman has shown in the past that he can be a guy and i i would take a shot on him just because i think he beats his like wide receiver 40 adp or whatever it is but like would you trust a guy like Nikhil harry but i wouldn't i wouldn't trust anyone but i don't think you have to especially where they're going in drafts the question is do you want to take a shot on any of them I guess you can take a shot on Nikhil Harry. He was a, a first-round pick, maybe for a reason. Uh, I I don't know. I, I don't love any of their pass catchers. I think the running game is going to be great with Newton, but I don't know. I, I, I'd rather spend my late-round picks on a different it's, team, I think. It's kind of interesting because, okay, I'm not going to insult Bill Belichick. Like that, It's not what I w- want this thing to be perceived as. But, like, his drafting skills have been... Uh, seen as very good in the past, and he wasted a first-round pick on Sony Michelle and Nikhil Harry, two guys who I don't see as very talented players. Yeah, it's he's probably one of the most overrated drafters in history. But he, the strategy is that he gets so many picks that he just makes them work, and he finds guys that other teams discarded and makes them great. That's what he's great at. But the Patriots have never been a great drafting team, so I. I don't know. I, it's there's it's tempting to want to target Nikhil Harry because of his draft capital, but from watching him play, it just he doesn't look that good. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Buffalo. Uh, we've talked about Josh Allen. The rushing floor is great. We've touched we've touched on Devin Singletary. I've kind of fallen back a little bit and can see why he may not be very valuable in the fourth round because he might not get the. Um, the goal line work. I mean, he didn't get it last year, and Zach Moss is a Frank Gore type player, but he's better than Frank Gore, so I think Zach Moss gets right. the um, goal line carries. 
and Josh Allen will vulture some anyways. And then in the receiving game, I think Stephon Diggs, he will be good for the team, but I wouldn't trust him just because the volume is there and you have a guy like John Brown and Cole Beasley who will vulture some catches as well. It's a tough offense. The only guy I would really trust is Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, I I love Diggs as a player. I'm sure you do too. But in general, in the NFL, when receivers go to a new team, there's some kind of there's like a learning curve sort of where they struggle early on. Eventually, they figure it out. So maybe Diggs bucks that trend. I know he's been working out with Josh Allen, but there's a lot of risk, and there's guys going in his range that I love way more than he way more than Diggs. Yeah, uh, that's enough said. Um, going on to the. New York Jets, I know you're a huge Jets fan. I think this team projects to be a good overall team. Like, they were somehow 7-9 and nine last year. I don't know how that's possible, but they were. And I think that um, they they could have a good season. I think Darnold might be able to take a step forward. I really hope Adam fucking Gase doesn't help yeah. him. I mean, I am not going to say my take on Adam Gase right now. Yeah. Obviously, I'm a Jets fan, but doesn't mean I like him for fantasy. But I don't. I'm not drafting Darnold ever. He's not consistent enough, and the offensive line is better. But is it great? I don't really think so. Last year, the the end of the season was encouraging. They kind of beat up on some bad teams, but Darnold looked good going down the like down the stretch. But like none of their weapons are super exciting. Crowder's probably gonna have a million catches for ten yards. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of avoiding the Jets for fantasy, which is unfortunate because I love them. <laughs> okay, uh, and the Jets brought in Frank Gore as we talked about him a little bit with Buffalo. Oh my gosh! But if this butthole Adam Gase <laughs> uses Frank Gore as much as I like the the Bulls did the Bills did, yeah. Then Le'Veon Bell's like value is gonna plummet and i think bell has a lot of value like i think he could be a top 12 guy if he gets the work i mean they have an improved offensive line you're just talking about it bell's gonna get some work in the passing game i think he could have a good season if frank gore doesn't infringe on that and bell average like i think i think bell averaged like 3.2 yards per carry and it's a wonder it wasn't worse than that like he was just juking everyone and doing all sorts of crazy moves just to get four yards so if the offense line's better and Gaze starts to trust him, the Jets' offense has some potential. Defensively, they were good last year. Hopefully, Adam Jamal Adams stays. If the defense is good, maybe the offense gets more opportunities. I don't know. There's just a lot of uncertainty. Luckily, none of their players are being drafted super high except for Bell in like the fifth round. So you can kind of take shots where you want to take shots, but there's not a lot of excitement there. Yeah, for me. and I would have hoped they had added another like free agent receiver. I don't think Denzel Mims is like a number one guy right away he could be in the future the only guy would possibly take is jameson crowder because he's going so late and he's going to get like a hundred thousand targets just because there's no one else to throw the ball to so he could have some value in pbr leagues yeah he's a he's a reception monster doesn't get a ton of yards but especially if you go uh, running back heavy early on and you need a guy to just plug and play week one or two he's a guy you can look for Okay, let's move on to the last team that we're going to talk about, the Miami Dolphins. Okay, so the Miami Dolphins have a decision to make at quarterback between their rookie, Tua, and I'm not going to try and pronounce that name, actually. <laughs> um, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we were talking about earlier in the mini game. I think that Fitzpatrick starts the year as the starter, and I hope for fantasy's sake that he's the starter the full entire season. Like, he's going to sustain those pieces. He's going to throw the ball downfield, which is with as much gumption as he usually does like and make guys like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams go up and get it yeah I don't know what the what to expect from Miami their their offense should be exciting the defense if the defense is better the offense hopefully won't have to do as much as they did last year Parker I don't know it was just like it almost felt like the entire last season was garbage time for Miami yeah and so if that is the same then great there's going to be a ton of volume but if they're better it might actually be worse in terms of fantasy so i don't know i'm kind of moving away from the dolphins offense especially because i don't like brita or jordan howard yeah i will say like preston williams is going really late in drafts and he was pretty good last year he 
missed the last part of the season because of torn ACL. And that was when Mike Kosicki started to play well. So I think that goes back to like how it used to be. And Preston Williams will be a decent option. You can play him some weeks based off the matchup. Uh, Gasicki could have some opportunities because he's a talented guy. I don't like him compared to some of the other sleeper tight ends like Noah Fant or Hawkinson, but you never know. Yeah. Okay, so just before we end this episode, Will, I want to ask you a quick question. I don't need you to yeah. give me like your breakdown of the playoffs, but I want you to tell me like what are some teams in the AFC that you think will have a good year? So I mentioned earlier I'm super excited about the Colts. I think their offense is going to be run heavy. They have some decent pass catchers in Hilton and rookie Michael Pittman and semi-rookie Paris Campbell, who was injured all last year. And I think the defense is better than people give it credit for. I'm excited about second-year player Bobby Okariki, linebacker. So I like the Colts a lot this year. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Their division's not too great. And obviously the Chiefs are going to be great. The Ravens are going to be great as always. I like the Browns. And then I think... The the wild card spots are going to be fascinating in the AFC because you have the AFC South and the AFC North, and I think both of those divisions have three or four teams that can all make the playoffs. What? So, the AFC South? Sorry, sorry, sorry. AFC West. Okay. AFC West and AFC North. My bad. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. <laughs> yeah. So like, cause I think the the Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, maybe the Chargers. And then you have the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers. All those teams should be vying for those last few playoff spots, so it could be exciting. Yeah, I think the AFC North and the AFC West are maybe the best two divisions in football. Like, I think if it weren't for the Ravens in that division, the Steelers and the Browns would be – it would be very competitive anyways. Like, I think that division is so yeah. sta- so stacked. Yeah. I think the AFC West is deeper because I think, like, the Chargers could be in last place and be 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, but yeah. the AFC North is very good, and the Bengals are just bringing them down. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was a good episode talking about um, the AFC breakdown. Thank you all for listening. I hope you can tune into future episodes of the Semi Pro Fantasy Show. And remember, we are posting once a week at noon on Thursday, okay? Also, please feel free to check out Semi Pro's other podcasts, such as Garbage Time and Keep It a Buck. And check out our YouTube videos and articles that are being posted daily. See you next time. Oh, also give us a follow on Instagram. Yep.